Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Arrowhead Addicts Podcast, Thursday edition. No Patrick Allen. No Patrick. I'm here, Sterling Holmes, joined with Matt Verderam. Former AA member, but now Sports Illustrated big timer, Verderam. That's a big time intro we have now. See, once you left, we have uh, uh, more fun now. We were able to actually do a really cool intro, uh, but luckily you're still in it at least. I am. In fact, I'm in it a lot, uh, but I, I'm glad. You know, listen, they got rid of me. They decided to open up the budget and have some fun with this thing. Good good for them. Uh, good for you guys. It's, uh, it's well done. It's well done. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised it's well done, considering I know Richard is uh, behind this. So uh, it, was, it was a good intro. All right. Well, we have a lot to get into. I know we're in the dead of the offseason, if you will, but training camp is just around the corner. So I do want to get into some training camp positional battles to look out for. First and foremost, what positional battles are you most intrigued about? Well, I, I mean, when you're a team like the Chiefs, you don't have a ton of them, you know? I mean, you, you know – what if, if we're talking a fifty-three man roster? Would, would you be would you be over the top saying you know forty-eight of the guys on the team already? You know forty-seven, right? So I think with the Chiefs, you try to look at starting battles. Well, the receiver room is the room that's really interesting. Like that's the room I think you have to start with because even though you probably know for the most part who's going to make the roster receiver, like you know MVS is there, Tony Rice. More Watson. I mean, you got maybe one spot, and and then and then actually, and Richie James, right? So those six guys will probably make the team, unless somehow like a Justin Ross just absolutely shines, uh, makes somebody expendable. But it's, it'd be curious to see like what the pecking order is in that room. I don't think you have a battle anywhere else on offense. I, I think you pretty much know what the running back room is. You know what the offensive line is. You obviously know what the quarterback is. You know what the tight end is. And then the other one I'd give you is probably probably the defensive line. Really, because, again, you know a lot of the guys who are going to make the team. You know a lot of the guys who are going to be heavy in that rotation. But, like, FAU, how much does he play right off the bat? Amenahu, you know, you know he's coming in to play big big snaps. But, like, is he going to play 55% of the snaps, 75% of the snaps? Like, I think those are the interesting questions I have when I look at the Chiefs and their training camp. When it comes to running back, I'm going to start there. Are you convinced the Chiefs are keeping four running backs on their active roster? That would mean – Obviously, Daenerys Prince is that fourth guy in with Clyde, um, with Pacheco, and with Jarek McKinnon. You know, Dave Tobe comparing Daenerys Prince to Niall Davis. Sounds like he has the inside track to be the kick returner. Is that the way you're leaning with no fullback on this roster? Is that where the spot's going to, that fourth running back? Or is there going to be a healthy scratch of McKinnon early on in the season, trying to keep him fresh for the postseason? Uh, will Clyde Edwards-Alaire be the, the guy on the outside looking in? Where do you see the running back position kind of breaking down at? I think it's more likely that Daenerys Prince is on the roster than Clyde edwards is on the roster. And I think there's a, a case where both of them are on the roster. Because usually with the Chiefs over the years, you had the one fullback and the three running backs. That's how they broke down the roster. But as you point out, they don't have a fullback anymore. They can kind of use Noah Gray in that role. They have, you know, they can have that H back with Blake Bell. I wonder what they'll do. And I've seen people say, well, would they just cut Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Well, if they cut him, it doesn't really make a ton of sense. So they would eat $2.57 million, and they'd only gain 865 in space. Like, you're not going to cut a guy for that. Now, what's interesting is if they trade him, they eat 1.35, but they save 2.1. That makes more sense. Plus, you'd get a pick back. Now, they'd get nothing in picks. Okay, they'd probably get like a sixth or a seventh round pick. Probably a seventh. But if you're the Chiefs, you can save $2 million and get a pick and open up a roster spot, you do it. I actually think there's an opportunity for them here to go with the three running backs, trade a lair, and then use that roster spot somewhere else. But I don't think they're just going to outright cut Edwards a lair. And I do think this is going to be an offseason and a preseason, really, where they're going to showcase the hell out of him. Like, I feel like this could be one of these things where, like, oh, wow, Clyde edwards Alaire looks great in preseason because he's playing against second, third stringers and he's rushing for 100 yards in a preseason game. 
Um, I think it's possible that they're all on the roster, but I also think it's very, very possible that he gets shipped. Is there any chance that Clyde gets a larger role in the offense than we're expecting? Because you look at what he did at the beginning of last year. Again, I'm not saying he's Christian McCaffrey. I'm not saying it's a good draft pick. If you know my thoughts on running backs, I will never go that far. But end of the day was he was progressing at the beginning of last year. We saw him find the end zone more often than he did in any previous season for him. Is there a chance that we actually might be undervaluing or or underseeing what he might do in this Chiefs offense? No. Uh, I mean, look, you never say no chance, but Isaiah Pacheco is clearly the number one running back on the team. Jarek McKinnon is going to be used as they used him a year ago and the year prior to some degree, but especially last year, where they throw him the ball. It comes in. He's a third down back. He's going to block on third down. He's going to go out and catch some passes. Like, the Chiefs have their top two guys essentially set. I just don't see you're going to take Pacheco off the field to give Clyde Edwards a layer of the ball. You're not doing that. You're not, and, and McKinnon, his role is so different from Edwards Alaire because he's a blocker and Edwards Alaire is not. So you're not going to start taking third down snaps and giving them to Clyde Edwards Alaire. That's not going to happen. So you're cutting into Pacheco's time. And I just, I just don't see that. Like to me, Daneric Prince, if he makes the roster and you brought up Dave Tope's quote, it's because he can play on teams. That's why. Like, and, and Edwards Alaire, he's not playing on teams. That's the other part of this. Like, he's never played on teams for the Chiefs. So if you're a third or fourth string running back in the NFL, you better play on special teams. If you don't do that, you are useless for most teams. I just, I, even though right now you look at the numbers and go, I don't know. I have a feeling that Edwards Alaire is going to be moved at some point this summer for a very, very low pick, nothing crazy, but it would save the Chiefs a couple million. Oh, look, maybe, maybe they. Maybe they say, you know what, we'll give him five carries a game, and that's cool, and it saves some wear and tear, as, uh, as the commenters are saying to what said, uh, was, was said by. But maybe they go that route. I don't know. I just think he's worth more to them traded than he is on the team. Uh, before we go for, uh, farther, because I do want to ask about the backup QB battle. I already have a couple people. I see Kevin right there asking about the, the, the battle at backup QB. Got to give a shout out to FanDuel Sportsbook. If you go to FanDuel, click the link in the description to sign up. You can get a no sweat first bet up to a thousand bucks on any sport. You want to win some money? Go, go to golf. Golf is where it's at, baby. Click on the link in the description at FanDuel to sign up. No sweat first bet up to a thousand bucks on any sport. Offers available for new customers for 200 plus and physically present in most legal gaming states. Please remember to always give responsible. Check the description for the uh, for the office full terms. Again, FanDuel Sportsbook. Click the link. No sweat first bet up to a thousand bucks. All right, Verderam. I think I'm getting faster, by the way. I know when you and I did the competition to see who could actually go faster, which, by the way, I think I got you by three seconds. Just want to make sure I point that out. Yeah. But let's get to the backup quarterbacks. They brought in Blaine Gabbard, M-I-Z. That football right behind me? Yeah. That's the old Blaine gabbard Denario alexander combo right there, baby. You best believe awesome. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm a big Blaine Gabbard guy, but I've also been a big, uh, a big Shane Bouchelle guy. How do you think the backup situation breaks down in your eyes? I think that they would prefer to have a veteran guy. And Bouchelle is talented. They protected him last year. There's a reason. They like him. Um, angry chunk of German says gone four weeks. And I already forgot my name. Hey, and forget your name. The comment was going off the screen. I didn't see it. Apologize. My guy Stacy in there. I agree with him, man. He says, Gabbard's got the edge here. Reed prefers a, a vet. And I'm kind of with him. Look, I, I pulled this up. I think it's interesting. Chad Henney, before he came to the chiefs had played in Miami and he had played in Jacksonville. Okay. He had been a quarterback, a varying starting level for nine years. All right. He came to the chiefs for his age 33 season. Blaine Gabbert has been in the league for, let's see now, uh, 12 years, okay? And he is coming for his age 34 season. So getting to the Chiefs at about the same time. Henny, before Kansas City, before Kansas City, had started 53 games. Gabbert has started 48 games. So pretty damn close. And if you look at their touchdowns to interceptions, so Gabbert is 51 touchdowns to 47 picks in his career. And Chad Henney, before he got to Kansas City, was at 58 touchdowns to 63 picks. Like, they're pretty similar. It fits the profile, right? So, look, I think you have to – here's how you have to look at this. The Chiefs don't care if they're developing a young quarterback. 
They have Mahomes. Bouchelle's going to be 37 before he gets a chance to start. They, they don't care if Shane Bouchelle develops. What they care about is if Mahomes misses two weeks, can we win the game with this guy? That's what matters. Because if he misses a, a long chunk of time, they're screwed anyway. Can, can he win a couple of games? And I think if we're being honest, you know with Gabbert, Gabbert can go in there and just manage a game with this team around him and win a couple of games. He can't win the Super Bowl with him, but like – if he's got to come in there for two games, they could win a couple of games. I don't know that with Bouchelle. He could. He might. Maybe he's great. But there's also a chance he can't cut it. And now you're 0-2 in those games. So I think Gabbard's got the edge. I'm with you. My only question would be with the new rule, do they keep all three? Is that the way they go? Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, with Shane – eventually it's either shit or get off the pod. I mean, you protected him last year. I thought this was going to be his chance, and they brought in Blaine Gabbert. I also wonder if the situation where they go with Shane, they cut Blaine and say, hey, keep your phone near you. I don't know how many teams will be vying for Blaine's services, but basically saying, hey, keep your phone on a, a loud so that way we can call you in the regular season if something were to happen. You get him in for, for OTAs, training camp, make sure he knows the playbook. I wonder if that's a situation as well. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I see Flapjack City says, get to the tragic left tackle that we plug with pine tar hair gel products. I don't think that's quite the case with left tackle. I'm not thrilled with Donovan Smith. I think he has maybe the most variance of any player. You saw him progress in the years prior. Last year was a disaster for him, constantly penalized, but he was also going through injuries in his own right. It was a turnstile at left guard. Here in Kansas City, he has the the Iron Man himself, Joe Tooney, next to him. What do you make of the left tackle situation for Kansas City? It has a wide range of outcomes. Donovan Smith pretty recently was a pro bowler. He's a guy who, when he's at his best, is a really good left tackle. But last year he had elbow injury, a thumb injury, and he was he was flatly terrible. He was not good. He's always been a guy who takes a lot of penalties. So you live with the penalties when the rest of the game is rock solid. When the game's not rock solid and he's still taking a bunch of penalties, now you got a problem. Okay. And I know they have Niang and now they have Morris coming into the mix as a third-round pick, but you don't want to see those guys on the field. If those guys are on the field this year, that means something went wrong, okay? You want, you want Morris to be on the field next year, potentially. That's what you're looking for. My feeling is that, look, the, the interior of the line, it might be the best interior in football. And at right tackle, I think they're going to be just fine with Juwan Taylor. They're probably at times going to have to help on the left side. Now, if that if that ends up not being the case and Smith is healthy and he's terrific, you can make a really good case of the best offensive line in the league along with Philadelphia. If they have an issue, as long as Smith isn't a disaster, I think they're fine. Like, I, I really do. If they got to help here and there and chip, most teams in the league do that. So I, I will always say this because I've said this for years and I believe this. The Chiefs are one of the rare teams that in pass protection, their guards and center are more important than the tackles. Because Mahomes is so unorthodox in the way he plays quarterback. Some guy coming off the edge, Mahomes is always going to have room and and, and ability to escape to some degree. Not that you want it to be a jailbreak, but he's going to have some ability to move and get loose. It's that pressure up the middle that collapses everything. As long as he's got a a three-man wall in front of him, he can step out, step up, step to the side. So I don't think they need Donovan Smith to be great. They just need him to be serviceable, which, by the way, sounds an awful lot like the left tackle they had playing for him last year, who certainly was not great, but he wasn't terrible. I think serviceable is a pretty good description for Orlando Brown in, in pass protection. So I think they'll be fine, but I do think he's probably the weakest of the five line. It's really interesting on your thought process of the center and guard and how impactful and important it is for Kansas City, especially with what Mahomes does does that actually lend you to believe that'd be a better opportunity to extend Creed Humphrey to give a second contract to, uh, to Trey Smith more so than potential other teams where they don't value guard as highly? Well, Joe Tooney's playing guard for the Chiefs and they gave him the highest contract in NFL history for an interior offensive lineman. 
Uh, and I wrote a big piece about that for Fanside at the time. And, and by the way, I see people saying in the chat that I have a Boston accent. I'm going to ignore all of you. You're all monsters. Terrible place. What's your thought on Marcus Smart? Um, man, man's going to go to Bill Street and get some uh, get some good food. He's finally he's going he's going to get to enjoy uh, a real culture instead of Boston. So look, I think that with the Chiefs, Humphrey to me is a guy you you've got to pay him. And, and look, there's going to be like Snead is really interesting. I know they've had exploratory talks with Snead on an extension, but it's like, do they pay him? Do they not? I don't know. Humphrey to me, even though he's a center, he's a core guy. He's a core guy. Like he he runs your entire offensive line. He should be paired with Mahomes for a decade. Smith is a much more interesting question. Are you going to pay Smith and Humphrey and Tooney? Now, Tooney, the last year of his contract would be the first year of, of Trey Smith's extension. And I don't know that Tooney ever sees your five of that deal. So maybe you just kind of say, well, we'll let Tooney go. We'll pay Smith. I think with Smith, it's an open question. I would be shocked if they don't pay Green Humphrey. Uh, let's hit on the tight end position really quickly. It probably won't be long here. Obviously, Travis Kelsey had one of his best seasons last year, which is insane. You know, same age as Rob Gronkowski, a little different as far as when they came into the NFL, but same age. One guy's been out for a while now, and Travis Kelsey is putting up over 1K yet again. But behind him, Noah Gray improved a little bit last year. Uh, you know, Blake Bell is what he is, which is a great blocking tight end, but doesn't add a whole bunch else unless you're trying to use him in the Philadelphia Eagles rugby scrums, put him at QB, do that. That I'm intrigued about. And then Jody Fortson has been a guy who has been a red zone threat, but has been perpetually injured. Behind those two guys, you have Kendall Blanton, uh, practice squad guy. Uh, he's bounced around a little bit. Then you also have Matt Bushman, who showed out a little bit in preseason last year and then got injured. Yep. Any chance of those two guys making the team? How do you see the tight end room breaking out? Do you have any hope that Noah Gray takes another nether step this year where he actually can take some some legitimate snaps away from Kelsey? Or what do you see? Oh, I don't think he'd be taking away snaps from Kelsey. I don't mean I don't mean taking away snaps. I mean as far as keeping him a little healthier, a little fewer hits. Oh, I know what you mean. But I don't think Travis Kelsey's coming off the field anytime soon. Uh, he's going to have to be hurt to come off the field. Now, that being said, Gray can actually play. Like, Noah Gray actually is, like, a pretty decent tight end. And I think if he was on most teams, it would be a, a fairly reasonable starter. Like, I'm not trying to make it out. I think he'd be a pro bowler. But I think Noah Gray would be a pretty good player. Fortune, you know what he is. I mean, Fortune's that guy that you just love him in the red zone, right? They can kind of move him around a little bit because he can play a little wide out. I actually always liked Blanton. I liked him when he was on the Rams. I thought he was actually kind of an intriguing player. I just don't know if he's going to be able to make this roster because without the fullback, I think Blake Bell has even more value than him. You want that H-back role that I don't think any of those other guys can play. You're not going to do that with Kelsey. Gray's not really – Gray's not the blocker that you need to be an H-back and neither is Fortune. So I think Bell – like there's a reason they keep bringing Blake Bell back, right? I mean, there's a reason for that. I also will point this out about Kelsey. You were just saying how it's incredible, but like last year was one of the best years of his career. And you're right. Travis Kelsey right now, including all positions, 47th all time in receiving yards in the NFL. If he puts up a thousand, let's let's say, let's say he puts up 1,200 yards this year, he's going to vault into the top 35. If he has three, let's say, if he has 3,500 yards left in his career, that gets him to 14,000. He'd be uh, top 12 all time in the NFL. I mean, that that's like, that's what you're talking about with Kelsey. It's it's staggering. He Gonzalez is the all time leader uh, for tight ends. He's about 4,800 yards ahead of Kelsey. It'll be very interesting to see if Kelsey can run him down. But in any event, no, I, I think look, Kelsey's, they're going to ride him until the wheels fall off, as Kelsey put it, to use his term. And as you said, I mean, look, there's no reason to think that that's going to happen. I mean, he, he was 33 last year, played every game. And by the way, for the record, to have it right in front of me, his snap percentage last year for the Chiefs, 80%. But it, it, here's what is interesting, though. It's gone down each of the last five years. 95, 93, 86, 82, and 80. Although I will note that part of that was because he missed a game in 2021 and he missed he missed a game in 2020. So there's a little bit of that, too. But yeah, I would expect him to be on the field for somewhere between 80 to 85% of the snaps. Do you see a lot more 12 or 13 personnel this year just with the wide receiver room the way it is? Is that maybe a little bit overblown? I know Andy Reid has used a decent amount of 12 and 13 personnel, and quite frankly, they've been very effective out of that. Do you see a little uptick this year or about staying the same? I feel like we talked about this every year. Yeah. Like, it's going to be about the same. 
I mean, I, I just don't like the, the Chiefs already, as you point out, they use a decent amount of it already, you know? So it's not like they don't use it. I just, I think every year we're like, this might be the year they break out those three tight end sets. And then Andy's like, actually, you know what? We're going to put a running back out wide. Like, oh, the Chiefs are just so diverse in what they do. I don't think they're going to sit and live in one personnel package. I mean, obviously you play more 11 than anything else with the three receivers back and a tight end, but I don't think all of a sudden the Chiefs are just going to go to this big power set. Like that's just it's not who they are. They like to spread the field, and 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 then when they when they go to tight ends, the funny thing with them is most teams that do that it's to play power football. The Chiefs don't do that. The Chiefs a lot of times will play two tight ends, and they'll have like Gray in line and Kelsey out wide or something. You know, they they don't very rarely do the Chiefs just line up with two tight ends and just pound the ball forward. <laughs> It's just it's not who they are. It's not the way they play. Uh, by the way, everyone listening, appreciate you guys so much. If you can drop us a like, a comment, a review, that would mean the world. And also, if you want to help support Matt Verderam, again, he drops by about once a month here on Arrowhead Addict. But go to Sports Illustrated. If you type in Sports Illustrated Matt Verderam, it'll take you to his, his page. He's doing a really cool thing, uh, hitting on 32 teams in 32 days, which I have to find that has to be a ton of work. How's that gone for you so far? You know, 32 teams, one a day. That's a lot. I'm splitting them up with my uh, coworker, Gilberto Manzano. So he's got 16. I have 16. Uh, they're running all the way to the start of training camp. I will tell you in full disclosure, I have already written all of them uh, for me because I am out here in New York and my editor was nice enough to let me just basically get way ahead and write as much as I possibly could. And then, and then of course, be here uh, as well if, if uh, needed for, for extra, extra work. So, yeah, they're already. Done. I did write the Chiefs one. Uh, we 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 went by win total, so it was like a win total list, and then like we just alternated. And uh, and so as you, Jeremy, saying who got the Cardinals? Who who the hell did get the Cardinals? Oh, Gilberto got the Cardinals. Some, it was a sad story. I I will tell you something though, very funny that happened. Uh, so Sports Illustrated is owned uh, by the same company that owns Athlon Sports, which is the preview magazine that comes out. And I hope everybody checks it out and reads it. I had a few uh, pieces in there. Uh, and I, I did the predictions as well, along with Gilberto. But it was funny because one of the pieces I had to write was based on, you know, this, this, I believe it's 12 teams in the NFL that have never won the Super Bowl. And so it was kind of one of these pieces, like what would have to happen for the, you know, for X team to win the Super Bowl for the first time. And, of course, one of those teams is the Cardinals. Well, the Cardinals are by far, you know, win total and all that, like the worst team in the league. So as I was writing this thing, like I was writing down notes and I was like, I got to the Cardinals and I just wrote like an act of God. Like, and then I just went back and kept writing. And I finished the whole thing, sent it off and was told, and I haven't seen the magazine come out yet, or if maybe it just came out, I haven't seen it quite yet. Told that line just stayed in there. <laughs> Put it in the magazine. So if nothing else, go out and check it out. I have the Cardinals needing an act of God to win the Super Bowl. So there's a little there's a little teaser that hopefully will get some people to pick it up. And uh, obviously the Chiefs were seeing the favorable light is here. Very, very good. So, um, you know, they get, they get a nice little run in there as well. You can check it out and see if we have them winning the division for an eight straight year. Do we have them winning the AFC, the Super Bowl? Athlon Sports, we, uh, we put a lot of work in it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, let's get back to the Kansas City Chiefs specifically here. I see a question from K Kansas Illen. Um, oh, that's says, awesome. Yeah. Uh, seems like biggest camp battle will be who starts at safety next to Justin Reed. I did want to talk about safety because the Chiefs have a plethora of guys, of bodies. Justin Reed, Brian Cook, obviously everyone's hoping that, that takes the next step. He showed out a little bit last year. Uh, Shamari Connor was drafted in the fourth round this season. Seems like he's more of a safety than a corner based on his speed. They have Mike Edwards they brought in for the Buccaneers. Uh, they also have Deion Bush they brought back, who is a special teams ace. Nazi Johnson was a special teams ace in his own right, potentially filling in for Chris Lamonds, who is no longer on this team. What did you the safety situation breaking down and looking like? It's a good question, by the way. I appreciate uh, Sean as he says, Matt looks healthier. Uh, it could be the lighting. It, it could be the six days a week of pickleball. I don't know what it is. It, 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 and actually, right now, i got a Dan shin, shin splint because of friggin' pickleball. But that's the <laughs> I've been playing through it. However, I will tell you this. I went golfing yesterday. Ooh, ooh, it was like a rusty hinge out there. <laughs> the dog food, it was bad. I'm not even, like, I'm going to the driving range tomorrow. And I'm going to hit about 500 balls with my irons. I'm not kidding. It was, it's the first time I've played in like 11 months because I don't really play back in Illinois. I play in New York. Man, I'm telling you, 
I hit an iron shot that was so bad. I almost called the police and had myself arrested. It was. <laughs> you hit a house. Did you hit a house? Oh, thank God. Thank God. No, we're up in the mountain. So there's no houses. Man, I'm telling you, I was lined up with like a seven iron. I don't know, whatever the hell, 130, whatever it is, 140, I hit the ball. And I'm lined up. I must have hit this ball 50 feet to the right of the flat. Like it was it, it was like I was aiming at another hole. It, was, it wasn't even a slice. It just went off the club that way, hit a tree, then rifled back onto the course. It was uh, – I like to – I usually can shoot reasonably respectably. Like, my God, yikes. Hazel rocket. That's a hazel rocket, Matt. That's what you call that. That's a hazel rocket. I didn't even bother to yell four. I yelled like 17. Um, <laughs> but look, so as far as the safeties go, stay on topic. But yeah, Reed's going to be the one starter. Connor, I think, is pretty much going to be special teams guy this year. They still have Bush and Deion Bush in the mix. I think he's, again, he's, he's more of a, a backup. You're not looking at him to start. So it's really going to be, you know, they brought in Edwards from Tampa. He was a starter there. Can he, can he play? Can he play, you know, like a starter's role or is it more Brian Cook? I feel like it's going to be Brian Cook. I feel like Brian Cook is going to be. The, getting the majority of the reps, but I'll say this. I don't think it's going to be like 80-20. I think it's probably going to be 60-40. Maybe it's it's two out every three. But one thing we know with the Chiefs, they know how they like to play defense, and that is with three safeties, a lot. Now, I will say this. It's going to be interesting to see if they do that this year with, with Drew Tranquil coming in because you have Tranquil, Gay, and Bolton. And I'm going to make a little, I don't know, not prediction, a little statement. The Chiefs have the three best linebackers in the AFC West. All three of those guys, Bolton, Tranquil, and Gay, they're all better than anybody else in the AFC West. I got to think about what the Broncos have. Josie Joel. He's good. Solid. He's the only one who's good against Kansas City. He would, he would have been like, <laughs> he would have been the guy like behind those three. Yeah. But I'll tell you, it's nobody on the Raiders. No. And Van Noy's not back with the Chargers. And Eric Kendricks last year was pretty rough. So you can make a kid. My, my point is, though, my, my overarching point here is, I don't know, like, do the Chiefs go with three safeties? Do they do they just say we're going to play more linebackers this year? Maybe they go with the, more of the four-two-five look with the three corners. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, Tungsten's asking me by the way if I live in a big ball in NYC penthouse. Now that I'm way that side, uh, no man, I live in the exact same house that I lived in with fan sided, and uh, yeah, that's not changing any day soon. Uh, I am just at my parents' house right now because I'm out uh, visiting the family uh, here in New York. Uh, I've been to Werner Ram's house before. It was a big mistake by him. I know the garage code. I stole a key. I know where he hides it. Um, so, yeah, I have that going you know, for me. You know what's hilarious? I've lived in that house for five years. I don't even have a front door key. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like if, if, if the power goes out and I can't get in the garage, it's over, man. I'm coming through a window. <laughs> oh, I have the, the, the electric keypad on the back door. That's what you have to have because the electricity goes out, you're golden. Now, if the electricity goes out and the batteries die, then I'm screwed. Yeah. I, I, I know there's another way I can get in, but regardless, yeah, I, uh, I don't even have a front door kick. I do want to talk about the safeties a little bit more with the cornerbacks kind of intertwined. Yeah. How many do they keep in the secondary? Because you mentioned five safeties, and that was before we got to Nazi Johnson. Yeah. Uh, again, Nazi Johnson – if he makes a team at special teams only, it'd be the Chris Lamont role, right? You don't see him on defense hardly at all, if ever. But again, we know how Dave Tobe gets to keep a couple of his dudes. Feels like Nazi Johnson might be one of those guys. How many pieces in the secondary do they keep? Well, if memory serves me right, don't they normally keep 10 DBs, like corners Correct. and safeties? Okay. I'm going to I'm take a stab to try to run through it real quick in my head. So, all right, the corners we know, the three kids from last year and Snead. So that's four of them. Now, they drafted a kid in the seventh round this year. There's a corner. Nick Jones, I believe. Correct. Nick, okay. He's he's going to be a bubble guy. But I, I kind of like him to take Boodle's spot. I kind of think at some point maybe that that's, that's the move here. Is it Nick Jones, who, by the way, actually had a pretty good OTA from everything I was able to read and ascertain? Uh, I'll say Nick Jones is going to make this team. So that gives you five corners. Am I missing somebody obvious? I'm McDuffie, not. McDuffie, Williams, Watson, uh, Legereus Sneed, and then Nick Jones. If you're saying him over DiCaprio, Bruno. I'm going to say him. So okay. that that would be five safety. Let's go. So Cook's making the team. Connor, you would think is making the team. All right. Uh, Edwards is making the team. Justin Reed's making the team. So to me, it's really a question of: Do you keep Deion Bush as a fifth safety? Do you keep DiCaprio Boodle as a sixth corner? Is there a kid you like at OTAs that maybe is an undrafted rookie free agent? Um, do, you, do you bring in a vet that you 
do you think is a you know maybe a, a piece you could find late in the uh, late in the cycle here? I think it's those nine guys, and then it's a battle at the at the back end for either a fifth safety or a sixth corner. You don't have a ton of versatility in the sense that none of those safeties are going to man up and play man on man. I mean, Justin Reed in a pinch can do it, but like you're not going to ask him to do a ton of that. I I think I think that's the battle. I don't know which way they're going to go. I, I I think if I had to guess, I'll say they keep Deion Bush and they go five and five, but only because they liked him on teams. He was a good special teams guy last year. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to Deion and Najee Johnson. It just come down to special teams for the most part. That is what it comes down to. Yeah, right, Najee Johnson, right. That was the guy I was trying to think of. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like you're splitting hairs. I mean, Deion Bush is, what did you have, one year on the deal? So it's like it's either him or – and you know what, too? The other part of it is they might keep them both, and Johnson just goes on the practice squad to start the year. Sure. You know, I mean, there's also that option. So I'll stick with my prediction, but that is one of those things. I think there's a lot of volatility. It just depends on, you know, what they see out of camp. Uh, Legereus Sneed has always been a hot topic. What happens as you get an extension? The Chiefs have traditionally not paid cornerbacks. I mean, going back to Brandon Flowers and Brandon Carr, Marcus Peters, I understand different, different players, different GM. I understand that. But again, the philosophy seems even more so now they're just developing corners. I mean, they got an undrafted guy in Javarius Ward in a trade, and they turned him into a legitimate lockdown CB1. Uh, they trade or they didn't trade him, but he ended up going to San Fran. They got nothing for him. What do you think happened with Legereus Sneed? Do they let him play out this year? Do they try and trade him? Do they extend him? What is your best estimation? What happened with Legereus in Kansas City? So I've talked to people around the situation, and granted, this was a while back. Um, that they had had exploratory talks at the beginning of the offseason. And I, I'll check in on that as we get closer to camp. I This time of year, to be perfectly honest, I don't bother people a ton with this stuff because I feel like you just there's not a lot of movement. I mean, they're really just – deadlines kind of create action. And the Chiefs could extend Snead tomorrow. They could extend them next year in the offseason. I will say this. I think he is an extremely valuable piece for a few reasons. One, he's a helpful football player. But two – when you have when you have Snead and you have McDuffie on the field together, you can play either of them in the slot or on the boundary. You, as the Spagnolo, can dictate the matchup. You can sit there and say, you know what, they've got a bigger slot receiver. We're going to put Snead inside. You know what, they they're going to go a little bigger on the outside. They're going to go with a little shiftier guy on the inside. We're going to put McDuffie on the inside. If you lose Lejarius Snead, now McDuffie's a slot corner. You can't play him outside. For that reason alone, I think they will keep LeJarius Sneed. But I will also add this. Brett Veach has shown with players that are more accomplished than LeJarius Sneed that he has a price. And he is not going to come off that price. Ask Tyreek Hill. I mean, that is – that's the way – I can tell you right now for a fact. I know for a fact they really want to keep Traverius Ward. They tried to keep Traverius Ward. But that thing got to a number. They were not going to go over. They were not going to pay it. I also think it's notable, and Jeremy pointed this out. I've said this before on some of the spaces I do on Twitter and whatnot. Like, look, it matters that Mahomes pointed out Sneed specifically earlier this offseason in a press conference. He was like, we really got to take care of Chris Jones and Jarius Sneed. That's not an accident. Patrick Mahomes was basically telling the management in so many words, like, hey, we really should keep this guy. We should pay this guy. But what's going to be interesting is as much as Sneed's a really good player, he's never been an all-pro, he's never been a pro bowler. It's kind of like Trey Smith in that regard. He's a really good player. But like, how do you value him? How do other teams value him? That's where it gets – Creed Humphrey, you know how he's going to be valued. He's going to be the highest-paid center of football when his contract comes up. He's been an all-pro, he's been a pro bowler. When you have those really good players who haven't quite gotten the accolades – that's where it gets weird. But then, of course, some of these guys in the Chiefs, like Snead, you want a Super Bowl with them. So that is a big accolade. So, I, I, look, I think they will make an effort to retain him. The question is just can they, can they find a, you know, a good medium? Yeah. When it comes to the other cornerback spot, the other starter on the outside, do, do you think it's going to be more of a Jalen Watson or Joshua Williams situation? Joshua Williams, the fourth rounder last year, kind of got his job took by Jalen Watson, the seventh rounder, but also Joshua Williams 
it was coming from Fayetteville State. You know, they knew he was going to be a project. He profiles as a bigger bodied corner as well, right? You look at the intangible, not the intangibles, you look at the, the tangibles, if you will. The size is obviously a huge advantage for him. Which one of those guys do you think takes the bigger step forward this year, especially with playing time? So whenever we do this, I always think it's important to like actually go and look at the numbers and not just say, well, you know, this guy because of X, Y, and Z. So last year, last year in terms of snap count, to go back to snap count, all right, for Joshua Williams, if you look at his number, early in the year, he barely saw the field, okay? Even when McDuffie hurt, 23%, then 0, 0, 0, 3%, and then it jumped up. 75, 80, so on and so forth. Now, as the year went along, McDuffie came back. He went from being a clear-cut starter to a guy that the last four weeks of the year, 25%, 26%, 20%, 0%. But in the playoffs, he only played three snaps against Jacksonville, played 59 against Cincinnati. Of course, Sneed got hurt in that game. But he also played 36% of the snaps against Philly. All right? So compare that to Watson. Watson last year... The whole year played a lot of snaps. Okay, he at least played half the snaps in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. And there were some other games there was like 46, 36, 34. And in the playoffs, when it when you really find out what people think about guys in the coaching staff, 80%, 100%, 41%. So I will roll with Jalen Watson. I think he will play more. Now, that being said, it should also be noted. These are very young guys with a lot of ability to get better. And Josh Williams might come in this year and just be great. I, I will say I think all of them are going to play a good amount. McDuffie and Snead, if they're healthy, are going to be on the field pretty much the whole damn game. And then you're going to roll in those other guys. But I think if I had to break it down, I think Watson gets more time. But I think both guys will play plenty. It's going to feel like they're all starters. I don't think it's going to be like one guy's drastically out there more than the other. I do think it's fun. I had a chance to talk with Jalen Watson and I was like, what were expectations for yourself? I mean, you were a seventh rounder and now you you're going to a Super Bowl caliber team. Eventually, obviously won the Super Bowl. Like what were expectations in training camp for you? He goes, man, I was just trying to make the roster. You know how, you know, a lot of players are like, man, I want to be the best. I want to be the the lockdown. He was like, first and foremost, I want to make the roster. I I just thought it was really cool hearing the, the canonist of that. It was funny. I talked to them during media week during the Super Bowl and down in Phoenix. And Watson is such a quiet, soft-spoken guy. And Joshua Williams has confidence for days. I mean, Joshua Williams is bopping around. They're they're completely different. And I, I wrote a I wrote a piece for us for Fansided um, during Super Bowl week about how those corners really led them and this this young group and these these rookies. It's just so funny. Like Trent McDuffie's probably somewhere in the middle of those two guys, personality-wise. Like Joshua Williams. If Joshua Williams was put on Randy Moss in his prime, he would absolutely believe he was going to shut him down. <laughs> right? I, I, he just—that's just his mentality. Where I think Jalen Watson, you, and you can see in the way that he plays. Jalen Watson is very technical. He's very like he's very smart. And I don't want that to sound like I'm not saying Josh Williams is, but Williams just plays a more. He he is smart, but he plays an athletic game. He plays a game where. Um, you know, you, he's, he's able to recover a little bit more because of the speed, because of the athleticism, which is, by the way, I think a part of the reason went in the fourth round and Watson went in the seventh. He's more of an athlete. Watson, I think because of the athletic limitations, has to play a little bit more technically sound, has to anticipate a little bit more. It's probably the better word. Has to be a little bit more like one step ahead where Williams can kind of play with the game. Now, the question becomes, if Williams can play a step ahead, if his acumen continues to rise, and we saw his football IQ getting better and better and better, if that happens, then you've got a really special player on your hands because then you're marrying the athleticism to the maturation of a young guy. I, I think they're really going to be both very good players, but I think Watson right now probably comes into camp with a little bit of a leg up based on last year. Yeah, I, I was very high on Joshua Williams when he was drafted just based on the potential and, again, the ability of the Chiefs defense Spagnolo uh, to, to, to help develop these corners. That's obviously been a huge step. It doesn't suck, right? It doesn't suck when you can turn sixth rounders like Fenton, undrafted guys like Traverius Ward, fourth and seventh rounders into viable starters in the NFL. Uh, two questions I got to, so I want to make sure we get to the wide receivers, was one from Quentin and one from Ronald. They want to know about the wide receivers. You and I, or you briefly brought it up at the beginning of the show, 
it's pretty set in stone as far as the first four, Rasheed Rice, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, MVS. The next two feels like good bets as far as Justin Watson and uh, Richie James, who you know I'm extremely high on. But then you also have these other grouping of Justin Ross, John Ross, Amir Smith-Marset, uh, maybe even Cornell Powell can get thrown into that mix as well. One, how many wide receivers do you think the Chiefs keep? And two, how set in stone are, are Watson and Richie James and can one of those other guys make their way to the back end of this roster? Yeah, um, that is going to be a fascinating position to watch. And, and Steve, I see you and I hear you. First of all, Steve, I agree with you. Okay, I am terrible. Second of all, I work at Sports <laughs> Illustrated. And third of all, uh, it's you are, sir. The apostrophe is your friend. Um, all right, now that that PSA is out of the way. Although that said, Steve, I do agree with you generally. This, this, in fact, that might be the title of my book. I'm terrible. Um, <laughs> receivers. Moore's making the team. Rice is making the team. MVS is making the team. Tony's making the team, right? You, you laid that out. I agree with you 100%. If you said to me tomorrow, how many are they keeping and who are the other two guys? I think they keep six. And I think the other two guys are Richie James and Justin Watson. Because – Again, the back end of that depth chart, you've got to have guys who can play special teams. It can't just be like, oh, we think this guy is the best receiver and he's going to be wide receiver six. You can't have that guy. Like, that guy is great in theory, but, like, in practicality, not so much. You know Watson can play on teams. You know James can play on teams. That all said, well, I am not on the hype train because I just need to see it. Justin Ross is the guy that you look at. Like, if somebody is going to do it, to me, he's the guy. Because you know the talent is there. You know the talent's there. The question is the health there. Like That is the overriding question and has been with Justin Ross, really dating back to most of his time at Clemson. So if somebody's going to come out of the, the woodwork, so to speak, and make the team that aren't, you know, maybe those top six guys going into camp, I think it's him. I don't think Powell's going to do it. I think, I think after that, it's tough. So that, that would be how I'd kind of Break it all down. Uh, any chance for a veteran? Any chance? I know DeAndre Hopkins is obviously the name that keeps getting thrown around. I don't see it happening based on money. Um, <laughs> the chat's driving me. Uh, there's some funny things going on right now. The chat is fantastic. Yeah. The did you miss the chat? It's in the wrong spot. It's, it, every, everything's happening right did, now. Did you miss the chat? Did, did you miss some of these? Oh, uh, I, I love I, like, I appreciate my guy James Kirk this year. Like, ignore the troll. Look, man. Part of the enjoyment of this for me is just having a field day. I do miss this. Um, <laughs> you know, I, how's I it SI, huh? It. <laughs> I especially missed it when you had uh, like like post game or we, or we were previewing a game and like a you know a fan base would jump in there and it was just mayhem. Those were those are good. Those are real good. But uh, you know what? You gotta have a little bit of that spice sometimes. That's that's part of the fun. But yes, it's. Uh, it makes me laugh. It's a good time. And, and listen, and the, and for the most part, I, I completely agree. In any event, I do think that training camp for the Chiefs is going to be somewhat interesting in the sense of like the receivers. But I, there's not a whole lot of drama going into Chiefs camp, right? And that's that, that typically tends to be the way it is when you're really good. Like Now, last year was different because they had all these new faces coming in. They lost Tyreek Hill and Tyreek Matthew. This year with the Chiefs, I mean, look, Juju's not around, okay, and you respect Juju's talent, but like the Chiefs for the most part, they're bringing back largely the same group just won the Super Bowl. So it's not as though you're guessing a ton. You're just kind of going in there going, all right, how do these guys slot in? Is there a surprise or two? And, and you hope that everybody stays healthy and you get ready for uh, Detroit in September. So, so you're out then on DeAndre Hopkins. You, you think there's not a, a good chance of that happening? I think if they extend Chris Jones and all of a sudden they save $20 million in cap space, then it becomes interesting because they look, they have interest in DeAndre Hopkins. That's been yeah. well noted uh, by many people. But if they don't extend Jones early enough, I just don't see the, where the money's going to come from. If Jones gets extended, that opens up the possibility. And if you're the Chiefs, like, would you go out and get DeAndre Hopkins? Look, they have interest in him. So, yeah, I think they would. But it, the question is twofold A, do they open up the money fast enough? And B, are they willing to give Hopkins what he wants? I'll say what I said earlier Brett Veach has a number. And whatever that number is, that's what they're sticking to. Like, I'm just going to use make-believe numbers for a second. But if they want to offer him one year and 12 million bucks, and he wants Beckham's number, he wants 18 million, they're not giving him 18 million dollars. Like, if their number is 12, that's what, like, they maybe would go up to like 13 or something. They're not going up 6 million bucks. And frankly, they're not desperate. Like, they're not 
this is a team that last year traded Tyree Kill and was like, don't worry, it's fine. And then Mahomes threw for 5,200 yards, won the MVP, and they won the Super Bowl. So they're not – I don't I don't want to say that Baltimore was desperate, but I think Baltimore felt a lot of pressure this offseason. You know, the Lamar situation and the way that the last couple of years have gone for them. I think Beckham was in a position of strength a little bit there with Baltimore. No receivers in a position of strength of Kansas City. Like they, they don't care. Like they'd love to add a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, but they're not going to go over the moon to do it. Again, if it's a one-year deal, I've been saying this. If it's a one-year deal, I'm in on Hopkins because that means Chris Jones gets extended. If it's a I multi-year agree. deal, I'm out. The age coupled with the fact that would probably lead you to believe it's going to be harder to re-sign a Legereus, a Creed, a Trey, a Nick Bolton. I don't I don't prefer that. Give me, give me everyone else. Mahomes has proven to make other guys better. Uh, he can't make a linebacker better. So that's where I'm at here. Uh, when it comes to Chris Jones, is the holdup here just a Quinton Williams extension? That, that's what I've been on record trying to say. Feels like it's going to be a, a wait-and-see game with Quinton, then Chris Jones goes. We know he's made it pretty well known. He wants to be the second-highest-paid interior defense alignment in the NFL. Where are your thoughts on the timeline of Chris Jones and that extension? I mean, here's the thing with, with Quentin Williams, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but if you look at this offseason, a lot of high-end defensive tackles have gotten paid. Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons, Ron Payne, Hargrave was free agent. He got paid. I feel like we know what the market is. Like Quentin Williams is going to get paid 25, 26, right? I mean, that's about what this is going to be based on, on what we've seen everybody else get. And now I think you look at this and go, if, if you're Brett Beach, you know that 26 probably isn't doing it for Chris Jones. Probably going to be what, 28 million? I mean, that seems right, right? I mean, that seems reasonable. So I, like to me, if I'm Brett Beach, I'm, I'm thinking and maybe offering four years at 28 a year. And, and like always with the Chiefs, their salaries are going to escalate, right? So like you're going to, you're probably not seeing the fourth year of the deal. It's going to be th- it's going to be too fully guaranteed, and you're going to see a partial in the third. So if you did four and twenty eight, if I'm doing the math in my head right, it's that's four and one hundred and twelve. And my guess is it guarantee like seventy, because that essentially guarantees the first two years and half of the third, and then the last year is like a team option that unless he's out of his mind, they're not going to pick up. So. I think that's about right. Now, look, you can always haggle on structure and how do you, you know what's his base and the bonus and how do you want to you know put all that in there. That's fine. But in terms of just looking at it and saying what are the numbers, I think that's about where it's going to be. And honestly, Quinn and Williams, unless the Jets are just out of their minds, they're not going to give Quinn and Williams that amount of money. I think Quinn and Williams is an awesome player and he deserves to get paid. But let's also be real about this: Quinn and Williams is not Chris Jones. Okay. Last year, he was first-team All-Pro along with Chris Jones. He had 12 sacks, played 16 games. He was he finished seventh in defensive player of the year, okay? He was awesome. That was his first time being a Pro Bowler, first time being an All-Pro. He's obviously a couple years younger as well. Chris Jones, believe it or not, he, he's been an All-Pro uh, as a second-team or three times. Last year was the first time he was ever a first-team All-Pro. He's been to four consecutive Pro Bowls. He had 15 and a half sacks last year, finished third defensive player of the year voting, okay? he's going to get paid more than Quentin Williams. Like, I don't see a scenario where, like, even if the Jets paid Quentin Williams in, a, in two minutes from now, where Brett Beach calls up the Katz brothers who represent Chris Jones and says, listen, guys, I saw the contract. I'm thinking the same. Like, they're not going to do that. So I think both sides know where this is headed. And I do believe, as my colleague Albert Breer reported, I do believe that they will come to terms with Chris Jones. I, I just, it might take a couple days to camp or whatever it is, but, um, they have immense value in Chris Jones. Chris Jones has been on record about how much he wants to finish his career in Kansas City. I do think they'll find common. Uh, sticking with the defensive line, FAU, what are expectations for you this season? Expectations for George Karloff? Does the Chiefs try and bring in a Carlos Dunlap? Those comments from Carlos Dunlap makes it seems like the door is still open. But again, I would have to imagine you're looking at a deal that he was on last year, one year, $3 million. He might be trying to test the market to see what he can get. Obviously, Carlos Dunlap, at his age, does not want to go through training camp. He does not want to be out in the hot sun at St. Joe. No, that doesn't. does not feel fun for him. So what's your take on the defensive line, and where do they go? Do they add a veteran, or do they stay pat here? Yeah, Carlos Dunlap's looking at like that August 10th date going. That sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't know whether he'll be back to the Chiefs or not, but I do think they could use a veteran. Because when you look at their defensive line, they need – 
in my opinion, to add one more guy. I mean, you have Carl Loftus, you have FAU, you have Dana, you have you have Amenahu. You could add another body. You don't have to, but I, I, I think they would be smart to. Now, B.J. Thompson's also a guy that they drafted, but is he going to be on the active roster? Is he going to be kind of one of these, like, stash on the IR guys? Hard to say. <laughs> Are you waiting for that injury yes. to B.J. Thompson? I, I'm waiting for He sprained his pinky. He's out for the season. It is July. <laughs> yeah, I kind of am. I, look, I think with, with FAU, it's reasonable to kind of say you think what he's going to do, maybe what Carl Loftus did last year. Right, I mean, drafted right around the same slot, like literally almost identical, a couple slots off. Carl Loftus last season had six sacks, but he played really well throughout the course of the season. Like if people remember, early in the year he wasn't getting sacks, but he was getting a ton of pressures. So last season, in his first, let's see, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games, he had a half a sack, and then in his last seven games, he had five and a half, and in the playoffs, he had a sack against the Bengals. I think. Carl Loftus, I'm I'm gonna say eight to nine sacks. Maybe he cracks double digits. He had six. He was coming on real strong. I don't expect him to keep up the, the second half pace last year where he basically had a sack every game. I, I'll even I'll say eight to ten. I think eight to ten is somewhere that's reasonable. Maybe he has more. It's just they're gonna rotate him, you would think. FAU, I think somewhere like five is is probably about right. You know that realistically speaking. They're going to rotate a ton with the D line, so it's not like one of these guys is going to be out there for ninety five percent of the snaps. I would I would say between the two of them, if you're the Chiefs, if you get fifteen sacks out of them, you'd be pretty happy with that, right? I mean, that's a pretty good number. We we've been on the same page. I, I was doing this on the radio show today. I said over under FAU four and a half sacks. I said over under Carl Loftus nine and a half sacks. There you go. Seems like you and I have fairly similar expectations. I don't think FAU gets the playing time that Karloftis got last year. It's probably a good thing just based on where the Chiefs' defensive line is now compared to last season. I will say, do you have any idea if Charles is going to miss any of the early games of the year, whatever suspension, if one gets levied down? Does that switch things up? Do you have any insight there? Don't, no. I think, I think everybody's kind of waiting to see what happens there. Yeah, I think, look, Amena, who's probably the guy who's going to see the most snaps, along with Carl Loftus on the edge. Like, I would think those are the two starters. And, but I think Dana and FAU are going to play a pretty good amount. And then you also know Chris Jones. He'll go outside on some snaps. And If you're the Chiefs, can, can you get the 50 snaps or 50 sacks? Can you get the 50 sacks as a team? Because they were over 50 last year. Like, now Jones had 15 and a half. That's probably pretty tough to duplicate, right? So if the young guys we're talking about right now, Carl Loftus and FAU, let's say they get 15 between them. If Jones gets 12 this year, takes a little bit of a step back, 15 and a half, pretty hard number to duplicate. That's 27. Mm-hmm. Amenahu, maybe you get seven more out of him. Maybe I think you even get more. I don't know. Let's say seven. That's 34. Dana, let's say he gets four. That's 38. The other interior guys, the Whartons and Noddies of the world, maybe they give you a total of three, Yeah, like 41. Your backers, maybe Bolton gives you one. Maybe Gay gives you one. Tranquil had five last year. Maybe he gives you two. That's 45. Now you just need – maybe Chanel gives you one. You need four from your secondary, which with the way they blitz their corners and safeties, they'll probably get there. I think if you're the Chiefs, that's the number you're aiming for. You get to 50 sacks, you feel pretty damn good about your chances. Yeah. Uh, last Chiefs question, punt returner. What do you see happening to punt returner? Is it, is it Richie James? Is it Watson? I'm assuming Sky Moore is not going to get that opportunity anymore. Um I don't think it's going to be Kadarius Tony. I think we're going to see what happened with Tyree Kill as he transitioned. You might say, hey, this guy is our best punt returner, but he's never going to grow as a wide receiver, legitimate wide receiver, if we keep putting back in these specialty uh, and special teams-esque type of uh, – you can't take those hits. You, you just can't. Um, so what do you see happening at punt returner? I think Watson is the guy because if, if you're the Chiefs, you don't want Tony going back there and taking hits he doesn't need to take. More, I just don't think you need to put him back there again. So it's probably between Watson and James. And I think you're probably going to trot out both guys in camp because you were, I'll say Watson. Tell me, he had a decent amount of punt returns last year, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, basically, according to Tobe, he is a, a guy you trust back there. Yeah. He's going to catch the rock. He probably ain't going to move the rock. I will, yeah, I will say this about the Chiefs. And this has nothing to do with punts. This has to do with kickoffs. I look forward to the Chiefs, even with this rule now where they can just start to 25. 
Tobe, the first day of camp, being like, I don't care if you catch the ball nine and three quarters yards deep in the end zone. Run <laughs> out the ball. Just run it out. Like, you know the you know the opening kickoff of the season against Detroit on national television. Detroit's going to kick that thing to the end line, and you know <laughs> whoever's back there, whether it's Pacheco or if they replace him with somebody else, is going to come screaming out of the end zone because that's they believe that if we hit one or two of them in a the season, it's worth doing it the whole damn season. And get taken down to the 17. <laughs> Every time. I had a conversation about this with Jason Anderson on the radio the other day in KC. And, like, he actually went back and did all the research. But it's just so funny because you know that they'll do it. Oh, yeah. They will tell – most teams are going to just tell guys take a knee, get the ball to 25, not Chiefs. Chiefs are going to run the, and you know for damn good measure at least once in the first game they're getting a holding penalty. So you're going to oh, start yeah. at like the six. <laughs> it's just it's guaranteed. But that's and then it goes, all right, Mahomes, bail us out of this. And it, anyway. it, makes, it makes me laugh because of any team in the NFL, this is the team, the Chiefs team currently, does not need the extra yard or the, the – yeah. it's, it's, mind, it's mind-boggling to me. There was a stat the first year Mahomes won the Super Bowl in 2019. They – and I don't know how many drives it was, in full disclosure. During the regular season, on drives that started inside their own 10-yard line, they scored touchdowns 50% of the time. And I think the league average was like 9 or 10% or something. <laughs> and I remember because he came up during that Texans playoff game, and they got the ball at the 10, and they immediately went down and scored a touchdown on like five or six plays. It's, uh, you know, look. I think that's why they do it because they're like, well, if we hit one, that's great. But if we don't hit one, it doesn't really matter because we'll just go down the field. It's like, well, or you could just take a knee. <laughs> My biggest problem is not the field position. It's the risk of a turnover. That's yes. what drives me nuts. Yes. Just sit on the football and it's five less plays where you have to worry about some big collision. A, you lose a guy to injury and B, you lose the ball because you turned it off. Yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, we're going to do something that you and I used to do on Stack in the Box. What the hell is going on with Matt Verderam? Man, I'm on vacation. It's kind of, kind of on vacation. I, I drove out to New York on Saturday with Maisie. Uh, the rest of the family's coming out next week, hanging out with the uh, parents, going up to uh, the old family lake house for a few weeks, got some golfing, got some pickleball in. I am officially on vacation the first couple weeks of July, but um, I'm doing a little like working out here and getting relaxation in when I can. So it's good, man. It's good. Uh, I'm going to be doing a camp tour this summer for Sports Illustrated. I'll be in eight cities. One of them will be Amazing. Kansas City. So when I'm coming out there, I don't know the date yet. But when I'm coming out, I'll let you know. You can, you can blast that out. Uh, maybe a couple of a uh, couple of uh, the AA faithful can come out and meet us. Even even the one guy who, who hates me, bring him out. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll bring him out. We'll have burn ends. We'll get over it. There's Patrick Allen checking in, doing absolutely nothing as per his usual. Oh, um, man. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's good. It's good to get a little time. Now's the time, as you know, in this business. This is the time. If you're going to take some, a, a few weeks, it's now. Because once camp starts, my my ass belongs to to football. That's it. So I, I know that I've got ten months ahead of me between the start of camp and the drafts. So and right now, getting that getting that vacation, getting that relaxation time in uh, before I come back, and, and we get after. It. All right, finally, if you guys want some merch, if you want to support Arrowhead Addict, we got you covered. If you go to the description below, we have everything you need, whether it is a pint glass, whether it's a shirt, whether it's a hoodie, whether it's a baby bottle. I don't know if that's true or not, but maybe it's a baby bottle. You could probably get one. I'm sure Richard could get on that. But if you use code MATWEEK, M-A-T-T-W-E-E-K, MATWEEK, because Matt awesome. Connor also returned from Scandinavia this week. So oh. it's not just you. Don't feel that uh, special. No, I don't, even, even if that has nothing to do with me, it's still awesome. Oh, I, I apologize. It's actually Matt Week. M-A-T-T-W-E-A-K. Because you boys are weak. That gets you 21% off. Get an extra 1%. Anti-Matt fans save. So if you don't like Matt Verderam, Steve, this is for you, baby. Steve, get 21% off AA merch in the description below. Verderam, it was great catching up as always. I will see you in Kansas City when you get back. Patrick Allen, why are you on this? You skipped and now you're 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 messaging. Why did I cover for you? You could have just been asking questions in the post the entire time. Come on, Patrick. You guys have been killing it. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. All right, thank you, Verderam. Again, make sure you guys go to SI Articles by Matt Verderam. Support him. Support Arrowhead Addict and support Matt Verderam. Until next time, we are out. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.